Calm, calm down, calm down. Well, hello. Welcome to the third Joy of Painting series. I've already applied a thin layer of magic white to this canvas here. I'm just using this almighty brush here with these long horizontal strikes. Now, we, uh, we clean our brushes with odorless paint thinner, and uh, we just beat these bristles dry. I'm just going to make a, a tree friend. Just don't pay attention to what I'm doing. There we go. Look. This is what we have. Yes. Yes. Now, let me ask you a question. Who am I? Bob Ross, yes. But, I it was Walker back Carter. <laughs> you know what, and I wish I was cool enough to know who that is. <laughs> now, the reality is, I'm not Bob Ross, am I? <laughs> no, and this is uncomfortable, so. Uh, I'm... I'm not Bob Ross, and you know that. I wasn't created to be Bob Ross. This is an illustration and demonstration of an impersonation. This is an impersonation, and I, I want to contrast the difference between impersonation and imitation. What's the difference between an impersonator and an imitator? The difference is an impersonator is someone who pretends to be someone else. You pretend that you're someone that you are not. It's usually a well-known person, an actor, someone famous, somebody that uh, the people, the general public would recognize. But the intent of an impersonator is to entertain, deceive, or in this case, to teach. It's just an illustration, right? It's to deceive people, it's to entertain, it's to teach. But I'm not really Bob Ross. Now, an imitator is someone who copies the work, copies the life, copies the style, copies the way of someone else, but they don't necessarily pretend to be that person. Uh, it's not to deceive. It's not to entertain. Impersonation is so much more than pretending. And I, I contrast these two words because in Paul's instruction to the church at Ephesus, he demonstrated and illustrated how important it was that we are imitators of God, but specifically not impersonators. If you read Ephesians chapters 4 through 6, the idea is that we follow a set of uh, a way of living. We follow these things. We were created for these acts, these works. We were created for this kind of life. But we're not impersonating. We're not pretending and we're not deceiving. It's for a very specific reason. It's to imitate God. And so in his instruction uh, to the church in Ephesus, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, he writes to them, Therefore, be imitators of God. You imitate God. You copy his way of life. You copy his way of treating people. You copy his laws, his principles, his instructions. You copy him. You mimic him so that when people see you, they think of him, but they don't necessarily think you 
are him. That word for imitation is where we get our word mimic. It's mimetai. It's where we get the idea of mimicking someone, of copying someone. If you've ever uh, copied someone, you, you know what that's like. If you've ever tried to, if you've ever done an impersonation, or if you've ever, um, if you've ever noticed yourself. How, how many of you as teenagers thought you'd never become like your parents? I'll never become like my mom and dad. Not a chance, not in a billion years. Okay, those same people, how many of you ended up so similar to your parents in many different ways? Right? <laughs> right, Okay. Therefore, be imitators of God, not that you are impersonating God, right? That's why Paul instructed them, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. So this is how you imitate him. You see yourself and you know yourself as his child. You know, children never think, I'm going to become my parents, but they do follow a lot of their parents' way of living. And so, beloved children... Be imitators of God. And that's Paul's point. That's his first point. To be an imitator of God, you first have to become his child. You have to be his son, his daughter. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And what does it take to become a dearly loved children of God? Now, I know there's a famous saying, and it's so sweet and well-intentioned. It's not necessarily biblical, but the way that people mean it, they, they mean biblical ideas. They will say every human being is a child of Okay, here's something. Preachers hate this part of preaching because it's difficult, because it goes against the grain of culture and what people know. In the scriptures, it actually tells us that every person, every human being is born in, in the image of God. We're valuable. We should be honored and respected no matter what. Human beings are special in God's creation. All those things are true, and we're made in his image. However, in the scriptures, it is very clear that because we're born in sin, we're born as sinners, we're born in a broken world with broken flesh, with broken desires that we give into, that the Bible actually says we are children of wrath. Uh, Paul writes about this. It's not a famous teaching. People don't like this idea. When every child is not a child of God, and I know that's so hard to think about, like, how is that true? It's only true because the Bible teaches us that we were born in brokenness and we're not children of God. However, God's desire is that we would become his child. And how do you become his child? Well, John writes about this really clearly in John chapter 1, in the beginning of his gospel. This is in the beginning of his good news story. This is how you can know the good news about God. John chapter 1, uh, verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. You get that? Anyone that received Christ became a child of God. It didn't matter if you were Jewish. It didn't matter if you were born in a pagan culture, in a pagan family. It didn't matter if you were born without legs. It didn't matter if you were born uh, disabled. It didn't matter who you were. You have the ability to become a child of God, and it's by receiving Christ. To those who believe in his name, this is talking about faith in Jesus, that Jesus is who he says he is, who were born not of natural descent, that's the Jews, that's what they were thinking, or of the will of the flesh, you can't make this so, you can't deem this to be so, you can't work this into reality, or of the will of man, no one can make this happen, 
but of God. You have to be born of God. You have to be born again. So until you're born again, you're not considered a child of God. And so when Paul says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children, he's bringing home the point, we are not all children of God until we receive Christ in faith, until we become believers. And so we must be born again. Uh, If we don't become his children, if we don't become his children, then nothing in life is worthwhile. Think about the repercussions. If we don't become God's child, what that means is we don't see him as our heavenly father. We don't see our identity as belonging to him. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes and, and, you know, make sure, you know, make sure you're in a good mood before you read it. But when you read Ecclesiastes, if you get the tongue-in-cheek wisdom of Solomon, the idea is everything written there isn't like, hey, this is true, yay, let's go. The idea of Solomon's uh, wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes from beginning to end is, if you look for purpose and meaning and satisfaction and fulfillment in life in anything other than God, it is empty. You look for it in money, power, science, women, uh, pleasure. You read Ecclesiastes. You go ahead. Solomon writes as if he's the pagan, wise, strong man that thinks he's going to make it himself. And you read those lines and he says, go ahead, try. I've done done it. I've tried. I have tried to find meaning in life. And it is meaningless, meaningless. Futility, futile, vain, empty. The Hebrew word for vain and futility and emptiness in Ecclesiastes is the exact same word for idol in the Bible. If you try to put anything above God and find that meaning to fill that God-sized hole in your heart with anything except God, you are going to be left wanting. It's going to disappoint you. So become children of God. You can't imitate him until you're his child. So that's the first way. The second way is we have to learn his ways. Learn his ways. Become imitators of God as dearly loved children and Walk in love as Christ also loved us. Walk in love. That idea for walk is is the idea for live. If you're not used to the New Testament language, when it uses the verb walk, it means not literal walking. It means live this out. Live this way. Apply this to your life, your thinking, your attitude, your personality. Learn his ways. Walk in love as Christ loved us. We have to learn how he does stuff. And this takes effort. Uh, I have an illustration that Will's gonna, Pastor Will's going to bring up. Uh, I thought this would be really helpful. Um, anybody know what this is? It's not the Holy Grail. It, so, for some of you, it, you think it is. Okay. Uh, it's not. It's not. It's, it, it feels like it in the moment, but it's not. Okay. This, this is a Freddy's fry container. Okay, these are fries, and they're actually warm and fresh, which is amazing. I have a great team that doesn't want me to eat junk up here. I'm just going to take a bite. Yeah, they're not done. Anyway, uh, not even close. These are not even almost done. Okay, so these are fries. Now, these don't look like Freddy's fries. Freddy fries look like shoestring fries. But what would happen if I put these fries in this container, and I'll try my best not to make a big mess, what if I do this? Now, is this an imitation or an impersonation? It's an impersonation because not only are these not Freddy's fries, these are not even close to Freddy's fries, uh, they don't even look like Freddy's fries, but they're in a container 
that's supposed to symbolically say, I'm a Freddy's fry. But are these Freddy's fries? I can tell you for sure after tasting them, not even close. These are not Freddy's fries. So disappointment, I'm, I'm done with the sermon. This, just disappointing. Uh, in order to become imitators of God, we have to learn his ways. Now, you can buy some uh, shoestring fries at certain stores. You can buy them and bake them in your house, and they could taste super close to Freddy's fries. And those are imitators of the fries. And the way that they do that is they take the actual Freddy's fries, they see how it's shaped, how it looks, how it's flavored, and they try their very best to match it. Now, they don't sell it in a Freddy's container, but they sell it so that people know, hey, this is like Freddy's fries. That's the idea of imitating. To become an imitator, you have to learn the ways of that person in order to imitate them. And so how do we imitate Christ? Well, we've got to learn his ways. If we walk in love, we have to learn how did he love? How did he love his neighbor? How did he love his enemy? How did he demonstrate service? Uh, I think, you know, it's a very famous passage. We use it at, at weddings, but this, I feel like this is one of the most overlooked statements in uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Love is patient. A lot of us know this. That's the first description that Paul, that inspired by the Holy Spirit, used. Love is patient. And when you think of someone loving you, and, and if anyone has ever been patient with you to teach you, to, to give of themselves for your sake, you know what that love feels like. Uh, we have to, to imitate him, we have to be patient. Today, when a lot of us go out on our sites, you are going to be tempted to be impatient. And I want to encourage you, not just today, every day, be imitators of God. When you serve one another, when you serve your community, be imitators of God. Walk in love as Christ also loved us, being patient, kind, sacrificial, servant-hearted. Uh, there's a story, one of my favorite stories, uh, after watching the movie first, I admit it, I'm not a brainiac, I'm not very smart, but uh, I, I watched this movie called Troy, and it had Brad Pitt in it, I mean, that's just a wasteless fact, but it had him in it. And it was one of my, it became a favorite movie as a kid. I, I loved it because it was this idea of this warrior uh, beating all odds and this, all this controversy and plot. And it came from Homer's Iliad, which I read later. In Homer's Iliad, there's this uh, warrior named Achilles. And he's considered the greatest warrior around, the greatest warrior alive. And he had this friend. Now, in the movie, it was his nephew, uh, Patroclus, but... In, in Homer's Iliad, the actual Iliad, it's his, just his close friend. And, uh, and he teaches his close friend how to be a great warrior, and he teaches some of his moves. Well, they go to Troy, the city of Troy, the Greek army led by Agamemnon. They want to destroy uh, the city of Troy. Well, they don't want to destroy it. They want to conquer it. And they go over there, and Achilles walks out of the fight and decides because of a dispute between him and Agamemnon. He's like, I'm not fighting for you. Me and my mermaids uh, or mermom, what are they? Myrmidons, that's what they're called. <laughs> Myrmidons. We're not going to fight for you. Well, he walks out of the fight, but his close friend, uh, Patroclus, he decides he's going to take Achilles' armor, put it on, put on his armor, put on his shield, use a sword, and he goes out to fight. He finds Hector, the prince and ultimate enemy of Achilles, uh, part of uh, Troy's army. He finds him, and Hector kills him. 
And Achilles gets so upset that his best friend is killed that then he wins the war uh, for them. He goes and fights and basically wins the war in a way because he kills Hector. Uh, I share that story because that is one of the most famous stories in pagan culture of a person imitating someone else to the point of they think he's really Achilles, but he's not, and that ruins the whole, the whole, uh, the whole war for them. So, to become imitators of God, we have to learn his ways. It's like we're putting on his armor, we're putting on his love, his character, and we're sharing that with the world. Uh, in Ephesians 4.17, for some of you Bible scholars out there, when he says, therefore, in Ephesians 5.1, it points back to Ephesians 4.17, where he has been talking, he's been given the doctrine and the theology, and he says, therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in order, don't live like non-believers. Don't live like people who don't think of God as their father. Don't, don't live like them in the futility of their thoughts. They don't count God worthy to be worshipped. Don't live like them. Uh, instead, Ephesians 5.1, therefore be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ loved us. And then in chapter 8, he mentions it again, to walk in the light. So the idea is live as if you belong to God, as if you're his child. So, if we don't learn his ways, if we say, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, but if we don't learn his ways, we will find ourselves tripping up in life, veering off the side of the road of life, always finding ourselves in a gutter or a ditch, in pain, destroying other things, hurting other people. If we don't learn his ways, we cannot imitate him. So, our challenge is, how are you learning Christ's ways? Are you in the scripture? Is the scripture in you? Are you learning about him through his word? Are you in prayer? Are you walking in the spirit? Meaning you're living submitted to the spirit because if you're not, you can't be an imitator of God. It's not by your own power that you can imitate God. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need God working within you. I don't know if you've ever tried this. I've tried this. There's been moments where I thought, man, I just, I just need to do the right thing. And almost every other thing out of my mouth just feels empty. It feels a little off, and I get frustrated. I'm like, God, what's wrong? And a lot of times in those moments, it's due to whether I'm in the Word, whether I'm in prayer, whether I've been obedient to something He's told me. But when I'm in the Word, and I'm obedient to Him, and I'm walking in the Spirit, I don't even have to try. I start talking to someone, and I walk away from that situation going, man, that was that was cool. I felt like God spoke through me and he gave me ideas and like, that was really great. That was really cool. In order to be an imitator, we have to learn his ways and be in his word and, and you guys know all that. So, uh, learn his ways. And number three, uh, in this passage, it's a short passage, give your all. So, become his child, learn his ways, and give your all. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant and sacrificial offering to God. God gave himself. When, when he sent his son Jesus, he sacrificed the most important, the most valuable, the most precious. That was the most difficult thing. I've, I've shared this before with this church, so this might get old here, but I know we have newer people here. I was in a, I was in a seminary class, and uh, we were talking about creation. Has anyone ever been to the Creation Museum? 
yeah, we were talking about creation. It was a it was a intensive study looking through Genesis, and we were looking at Genesis. We were looking at how how God created everything in six days. And we just really delved into it. We looked at pictures of the stars. We looked at pictures, of microscopic pictures of like amoebas and different things that you can't even see, electrons even with electron microscope. And we looked at all these different things. And the teacher was teaching us, he's like, isn't this amazing, all that God did? And we were looking at planets and you know how bigger Jupiter is than Earth and how bigger the sun is than Jupiter and all those things. And the whole Louis Giglio, uh, whatever the cross thing, the, that thing that we're made of, I can't remember, it's a protein. Uh, anyway, it keeps us together, whatever that is. But the idea is God created all these things and then the, the professor stopped us and he says, you know, but that was nothing. We're like, what do you mean nothing? You don't call God's creation nothing. We're going to nothing you off the stage. What do you mean nothing? He's like, that's nothing. God just spoke that. He could have had both hands tied behind his back. He could have been blindfolded, and he could have said, let there be light, let there be stars, let there be microscopic things, let there be cells. He created the eye and the heart and the brain. He, could have, he just spoke all that into existence. No problem for God. That was nothing. You want to know what the hardest thing God ever did? Give himself up for you. There is no difficulty in the scriptures with God except for when he gives of himself to his people to love his enemy, to save them from their sins. That's when you see God working hard. Everything else, nothing compared to giving of his son. He gave his all. Now, I, I titled this, uh, this sermon, uh, Impersonators, Taters, and Imitators. And uh, I appreciate that giggle. But uh, this is a potato. This is actually a sweet potato. I thought about the example of these fries that are not Freddy's fries. They're impersonators, not even good ones. Uh, and then you have the imitators. You know, they really are almost the stuff. And then... You know, this potato, is this potato made of the same thing that the fries are made of? Same exact stuff, right? I mean, minus the oil and the salt and the flavoring, except for that, okay. But this is the same essence. This is the same stuff that it's made out of. If a believer is more like this potato than the fries, let's say a couch potato, and they're just sitting on their rear end, and they're not faithfully giving of themselves to serve their community, to make disciples, to reach out to people, to make the sacrifices, spend the money, give up some of the evenings, do something to be on mission, to love your neighbor as yourself. You're just taters. You're not imitators. You're just couch potatoes. And I thought of this potato and thought, you know, I wonder if part of the temptation for us is to be more like the potato than the fry. The fry's useful. The fry's great, right? I go to Freddy's probably too often. Anyway, uh, it's fruitful. It does something. This potato, until it's cooked and used to what it's designed to be for us, it's of no value. It's not very good. I dare you to take a bite into this. It's not great. We were designed to be great in the sense of we were designed to be Jesus's hands and feet. 
to learn his ways, to be his children, to demonstrate to others. It says in Ephesians 5, 2, and, Christ, uh, lo- and walk in love as, as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, and then at the end, to God. It was for us, but it was really to God. When we go out in our neighborhood very soon, when we go out to these 27 sites, we are giving of ourselves for them, for our neighbors, for our community. But if we're doing it with the right attitude, that is a fragrant and sacrificial offering to God. It's to him, but it's for them. And so I just want to encourage you as we go out today, be imitators of God, especially with the worksite coordinator who you might feel like, don't be impatient. Be kind. Be loving. See yourself as a servant. Don't get there and be like, is everything the way I want it to be? Is this all I want to do? Is this everything? Don't do that. Have the attitude, the mind of Christ. Be imitators of Christ. Love, serve, give. Uh, Walking in the same love that Christ loved us, willing to make the sacrifice for our neighbor. He made the sacrifice for his enemy. He's just asking us to make it for our neighbor uh, in this instance, which is a fragrant offering to God. If you want to give an offering to God, do it. Serve God sacrifice for them, but give it to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this morning. Uh, I thank you for your word. That's The meaning is in your words. Uh, to understand more of what imitating means, I pray that you would drive it deep in our hearts. Help us not to forget. You have not called us to be impersonators. We are not pretending. This is not for entertainment. This is not for our reputation. This is not to deceive. Help us to be imitators. And uh, for those of us like me that struggle with just being taters, I pray that you would convict my heart, fill me with your spirit, give me the power of the spirit in order to be an imitator of Christ. We love you because you first loved us. Would you be with us today? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.